Hello, nerds, jocks, prom queens, delinquents, and loners. Anthony Michael Hall is an actor whose credits are extensive going back to the 1980s, beginning with National Lampoon's Vacation, since then, of course, Johnny B. Good, The Breakfast Club, and many, many more. His newest film is The Class. It is a sort of spiritual sequel to The Breakfast Club, and it's available in theaters and on demand on September 9th. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thank you. Good to be with you again. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, thank you for this movie. I'm sure uh, I'm not the first and certainly won't be the last to uh, call The Class a sort of spiritual sequel to The Breakfast Club. This certainly isn't your first opportunity to do something like this over the last decade plus now, I'm assuming. So why was The Class the right time to pursue something along these lines? Well, it's a good question, Trey. To be very honest, I never anticipated doing anything even close to you know, what this is, which was, you know, it's inspired by The Breakfast Club, but this was a, a writer-director out of Chicago who became my partner, Nikki Solzzi, and he wrote a really fantastic script, and, I, and it really took me by surprise, and we started communicating after I read it by email, and then we started talking about two and a half years ago, um, I think about two years ago, actually, and uh, I was just really impressed with the material. I really was, you know, and it's important just to clarify again, it's not a remake, but it's certainly inspired by The Breakfast Club. The difference being this time is that we have six kids instead of five. And to be very honest, Trey, mainly the stakes are much more charged. And I think more reflective of our current times in terms of the millennial generation and what they're dealing with and the kind of pressures that they're dealing with. It was different than when you were a kid or where I was a kid, you know? Um, so I was just really impressed with the screenplay. I thought it was really fantastic. Um, I partnered up, this is a co-production with my company, Manhattan Films and Nikki's company, which is Lamond. Um, and, you know, we're really proud of the film. We got it together. We shot it at Elmhurst University in Chicago last summer in Chicago, in the uh, Chicago suburbs, which was also cool to be back in you know Chicago where Hughes was from and where I started my career all those years ago. And we put together a really fantastic young cast and they all really delivered, you know, so I'm very happy with the film and how it turned out. And much like the 1980s film, really being one of the first to explore these serious issues that kids were dealing with that nobody wanted to talk about, you guys go there in a lot of different ways, as you just said. In a lot of ways, the stakes are much more serious. Was there a line that you were afraid to go up to or a line that you were afraid to cross as you were considering some of the various issues these kids were dealing with, whether it's uh, frustrations with, not to spoil too much, but abortion, um, uh, dealing with uh, serious illness like cancer and things like that? Absolutely. You know, I kind of just trusted it, Trey. I felt that considering the modern times that we're living in, kids, I mean, just the rate of information, the way we all receive information every day, right? It's different. When we were kids, it was newspapers. There wasn't the internet. You know, the internet certainly changed everything. And not to sound like an artifact here, but it's certainly been that way for decades now. So I think reflective of that, we, you know, I really felt strong about what Nick had done. Um, and he gave all the kids great character arcs, as we've discussed, great, you know, higher stakes in terms of the challenges that they're dealing with. But what he did is he kind of took the template of the structure of the Breakfast Club and kind of, you know, overlaid his this newer version of it, which I think John Hughes, honestly, I think he would be very proud of the work that Nikki did, you know, and I think it was a bold choice. And at the same time, true to life, you know, because I think that compared to 35 years ago, whenever we made the Breakfast Club, I think it's about that now. Yeah. Um, again, it was important to kind of modernize it and update it. And certainly 
that is the case. It's a very multi-ethnic cast. They're dealing with a, a wide range of challenges and, and conflicts, which I think that's actually something I think very passionately about, I feel is very important to films in general. And it's just something that we deal with in life, which is conflict, right? So whether it's a drama or a comedy or a dramedy, whatever you have that you're dealing with in terms of creating a piece of entertainment, you wanna make sure that that conflict is there. And um, I thought, honestly, I was so impressed with the screenplay. I was like, this is great. It's really all there and ready to go. And we were just excited as producers in terms of putting the right young cast together. Uh, and Nikki and our team and our casting uh, associates, they just, we all, everybody did a great job because I thought everyone really shined. And there's a really interesting kind of cross section of young actors that we have, Trey. Some of them are very experienced in their young age, you know, uh, have been on TV shows and done films. And I would say about the other half of the cast is all kind of fresh faces, you know, uh, young actors that are just at the beginning of their careers. And I got to tell you, it was really interesting. One of the things that I had suggested to Nikki, Trey, was that like John Hughes, one of the great things that he afforded all of us was usually a week, sometimes up to maybe even two weeks on the breakfast club we had just to rehearse. And the reason that's really impactful and really helpful is that very organically people and things just start to gel. So everyone can ask questions about their characters or we can run the lines and run the scenes. The director gets an opportunity to kind of pre-plan how he's gonna block and shoot the scenes and most importantly, I think that people just as general as, you know, meeting each other in this new work environment, they really get an opportunity to gel. And that's really what happened here. And, and, I, and in a way that far exceeded even how we all got together years ago in the Breakfast Club. Because at that time, we were all at various ages, like Judd and Emilio at that time, I think were in their early 20s, even though they were playing teenagers. And Molly and I were actually teenagers. So we had to, you know, we'd be rushed off to our, our tutor and be doing schoolwork. In this case, all these kids were a little older than high school age, but they really gelled. They really took to each other. They were going out to amusement parks. They were eating together after work. They'd be working out together in the hotel where we're all staying. So it was really a wonderful uh, and, and unique thing that developed, which is they really all kind of became good friends and they really merged as a group. And then that feeds the work. You know, it, fe it fed right back into the rehearsal process and then in the shooting of it as well. So by the end of the film, like the characters in the film, they really bonded. They really bonded and they really, uh, you know, really went about uh, this journey really in a very, very bold and, and, uh, and very interesting way, you know, because as I said, because they all bonded as friends, it really affected their work and they were really encouraging and supportive of each other. And uh, it was kind of a situation of art imitating life by the end of the film. They really had kind of become a good close-knit group of, uh, of friends. Yeah, they really were. Yeah, the uh, saying practice makes perfect, while it's maybe a little bit incomplete, obviously applies to sports more than anywhere else, but that's important with any facet of life. You want uh, those that you're working with, you want things to be as copacetic as possible, and it sounds like y'all struck that right tone with the two weeks of rehearsal before the cameras actually started to roll. Absolutely, and it was very organic, and as I said, because they were more aligned in age than we were years ago when we did The Breakfast Club, it happened in a very organic way, so it was very cool to see them really championing each other, you know, and really being a unit and working that way was great. Now, considering that you said that uh, about half the cast was pretty inexperienced, you are you, somebody who achieved legendary status a long time ago. Uh, were they turning to you at times with questions? And if so, is there a piece of advice that you're very happy that you were able to get out to them? Well, you know what, I, I let it, I kind of deferred to the process. So when, when Nikki would lead the rehearsals, I kind of let him lead lead the way with respect to that. But 
you know, uh, certain things I would, you know, I think share with them in the process of making the film, but never in a way where it was sort of like a teachable moment. It was just merely more offhanded. And you kind of really want to lead by example. So whether it's obviously the basics, you know, getting to work on time, knowing your lines, um, you know, just, just maintaining a level of concentration so you, you get good work done. And at the same time, you really want to, you know, you know, so even despite whatever preparation you do, you really want to kind of greet the day and, and be fresh and just, you know, be open to collaborate. So I think that those, a lot of those things are kind of things that you show by example, but at the same time, they were really, they really caught on really great. You know, they really did. They all were really willing to discuss it, to work on it, to work on the scenes. And as I said, off camera and away from set, they, they genuinely became friends. And it was really, it was more than we could have asked for. It was really cool. I really dug the dialogue that your character got to play. Now, of course, you're at the point in your career where you're no longer getting cast as a troubled high school youth who's having to spend Saturday at school. Your your role in Saturday at school is as an administrator now, a principal type, and you've done that in other roles as well. The Goldbergs is one show that comes to mind. But is there any one person or, or an amalgamation of people that you tried to pattern uh, your administrator character after in the class? You know, it's so funny. Two things just came to mind. I had a teacher in eighth grade, and I'll never forget it. His name was Mr. Addison, and he had this uh, he had this kind of rallying call. It was awesome. It was kind of a poem. He would say, good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. For some reason, it's one of the few things I remember taking away from high school, believe it or not. Uh, in terms of inspiration for the character, well, you know, the late, great Paul Gleason was a great friend of mine, and it's interesting how he was hired on the Breakfast Club Trail. I'll tell you a quick story. Around that time, and I was just a pup, I'm like 15 at the time, but John Hughes and I had become collaborators, and, and you know, thanks to him, I even have this career, you know, but we had done 16 Candles, and, and we had a great friendship that we struck up, and he was really like a big brother to me, despite the 20-year age gap. So when we were casting The Breakfast Club, I never forgot this. He brought in the gentleman that used to play coach on Cheers. Remember when we were kids, Cheers? Remember the guy yeah. that was coach? Yeah, the old the guy. Older yeah. guy the older. yeah. So he was a great actor. And then he also had, uh, met with Paul Gleason. And it was actually at my suggestion, because at that time, I remember I'd watched Trading Places, and I was a huge Eddie Murphy fan. And Paul plays a villainous kind of FBI agent in that film. And there's one scene that cracked me up, and I, sh I remember sharing it with John, and it led to Paul in his audition. There's a scene where he's waiting for a payphone. Remember payphones back in the 80s? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's an old lady who's on the phone in, in, in this particular scene. Excuse me, he's on the payphone. The old lady's waiting for the payphone, right? And he looks at her, and it's an R-rated comedy from back in the day, but anyway. And he looks at her and she's this sweet little old lady and she's kind of just waiting there patiently. He looks at her and goes, fuck off. To the <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just, you remember that scene, right? It oh, was yeah. just so mean and but just really funny. So that, it was actually that scene, Trey, that I remember recounting that to John. And I said, you got to meet, we got to bring this guy in, you know? And next thing you know, he, you know, he had his audition and, and he got the part and we, we became great friends again, despite the age gap. I was a teenager and Paul was probably my age at the time in his 50s, but he was a great friend, you know, would go to fights together. He wound up introducing me to Tyson and he had two heroes. I remember Paul Gleason and one was Bob Dylan. The other one was Mickey Mantle. So, mm -hmm. you know, Paul was a big inspiration for this because he had a great uh, he had a great turn in the Breakfast Club. Again, being the guy that you love to hate, but he also had a great, great sensibility and it was a great actor and and. He really loved being a part of it. So, yeah, I was certainly thinking about Paul when I was doing this, but we also wanted to create something different with my character too, because I think that there's a nice turn that he makes 
where it's not, he's not a stereotypical, just mean teacher administrator. He has a nice turn at the end of the film and he really shows compassion because what you get is, and because you, you saw the film tray is that there's a sense that he got stuck in his hometown and he became an educator and he had higher goals, you know, to, to be a musician or what have you. Um, so there's that nice scene at the end where he gives the guitar to Hannah's character and he says, keep the guitar, even though it belongs to the school because mm -hmm. she has a real gift for music. So that's a nice, nice moment. And uh, I got to say, all the young actors, including Debbie Gibson and John Kapalos, they were really fantastic. I was so impressed with Debbie. I thought she did really nice work. She's a very nice lady, very hardworking. And, you know, we had met years ago as kids and we were first coming up. But I thought she did a really great job as the counselor in this because she really has to walk that line. And she's really the one who takes the lead in sort of really becoming the friend to the students. And really, as you saw in those scenes, she really imparts her own personal story, you know, which... Uh, they kind of force her to do in the story, you know, so she gives them the task of coming in and creating a character, an improv character uh, to present. And that's what kind of kicks off the story, as you saw in the film. It kind of gives them an opportunity to to share a part of themselves. And then the story unfolds from there. Yeah, but I thought yeah. Debbie was fantastic. Yeah, as a matter of fact, my wife and I, after the movie, after we watched the movie last night, we were talking about one of the things that we enjoyed about this versus Breakfast Club is, how you did a good job with the class of humanizing the adult characters a little bit more and giving them stories and making sure that everybody understands they're not just these nefarious characters necessarily. Right. Great point, Trey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for both my character and Debbie's, but particularly Debbie's too, because she really has yeah. to show herself. And there's that scene where everyone kind of shares their personal story. And she did a wonderful job. Honestly, I thought it was effortless. I thought her acting was great. You know, it's, there's an old saying, uh, one of my, two of my favorite acting lines come from Spencer Tracy. He said, acting is simple. He said, hit the mark and tell the truth, you know? And, um, and I think she did a great job of that. You know, the other thing is, the other Spencer Tracy line was, if you want to be an actor, don't get caught doing it, you know? So I thought when I saw Debbie work, I thought she was great. And she's a seasoned pro, as you know, she's been a pop star since way back then. And she's maintained her career. So it was really nice to see her kind of effortlessly adjust and, and, and deliver a great performance. I thought she was really cool. By the way, I need to rewind just a little bit. Did you say Paul Gleason introduced you to Mike Tyson in the heyday of Mike Tyson and his ferociousness? He did, man. Yeah, he did. We were shooting, it was after we shot The Breakfast Club and Paul was in New York and I, I grew up in New York City and he invited me to a fight and we went to a Madison Square Garden back in the day and that was the night I met Tyson, yeah. Was that intimidating at all? No, actually, you know, it was so funny. We hit it off and it was really, it was kind of random. And at the time I was like 17, I think, and Tyson was 19. He wasn't even champ yet. So uh, it set the stage for a friendship. And, you know, we've been friends ever since a long time. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. All right. Last question, because this is an acting class that these kids are having to go to school on a Saturday for. Now, it seems to be a mixed bag when I speak with actors as to whether or not they had to take a whole lot in the way of acting classes. And if so, there's usually some sort of, insane story that comes along with the class and it's usually a classmate who uh, is trying hard to grasp something emotionally and they just end up a complete train wreck in the process did you do much in the way of acting classes when you were coming up in hollywood and if so do you have one of those stories that's funny that's a good question you know i i didn't not in hollywood but when i was a, a really young kid i started to take some some children's classes, acting classes. And I studied at HB, which is Herbert Bergdorf. It was a famous acting school in New York. And, and I remember one of the first lessons we had, and I was probably, I mean, I'm literally like 10 or 11 years old at the time. I was in New York City. This is probably the late seventies. 
And they started talking about a technique which is called sense memory, where you're supposed to kind of basically recall something and based on the memory of it, sense it, even if it's not there in physical form. And I remember thinking, this is a bunch of hogwash. I don't know if I, if I buy into this, you know? So I remember, <laughs> I remember all those kids laying on our back in this acting class. And we were, literally, it was all little kids, you know? And the teacher was saying something like, imagine the lemon is in your hand, squeeze the lemon in your mouth, you know, imagine the taste of it. You know? So it was just a way to kind of get you, get your senses working as an actor. So I remember that was kind of fun, you know, as a kid. But then to be honest with you, Trey, as, as I grew up, in my teens, I just kind of went on instinct. I mean, I was kind of a funny kid and I would, I would use the comedic talents that I had, I guess. And that just started naturally. I guess it was just a God-given gift. I was one of those kids that would do shows for the family. I'd get up and imitate all my aunts and uncles and relatives and at weddings and funerals. And that was actually where I got my start, to believe it or not. But then what happened is in my 20s, after my run with John Hughes and the first group of films that I made, I felt it was important to kind of reinvest and to really take some classes. So I wound up working with uh, three or four different coaches in my 20s. And that was very instrumental, very helpful to me too, because it helped me develop the craft and, and gave me some tools and techniques for becoming better, you know? So that was, uh, that's my acting class story, yeah. But that class I took as a kid, I mean, although it was a little goofy at times, it taught me that sense of, you know, you're building a craft here, you want to learn it, you want to really dive in. And so fortunately, you know, I, I just got that really young start in my career and I, uh, but then didn't really start really studying until I was in my 20s. You know? Well, I think you ultimately proved how incredible an actor you are too. Pirates of Silicon Valley is uh, still maybe my favorite role of yours. Not to say that uh, your role in the class isn't a good one as well. He is Anthony Michael Hall, of course. The new film is The Class. It is available in theaters and on digital starting on September 9th. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall, thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it and best of luck with things in the future. Trey, thank you very much. Good to talk to you again. I really appreciate the time. Thank you, man. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. And thanks to Joshua Bates for the video editing. If you have any video editing needs, hit him up on Instagram at Forger Digital. And thanks as always to you for checking us out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.